welcome to another edition of the SC Times Sports Report. My name is Zach Dwyer, the sports reporter here at the St. Cloud Times, and joining me as he does every week is my co-host Brian Mosey. Brian, how are we doing on this Wednesday morning? Doing good. Beautiful day and quite a bit of new things formulating as uh, the fall season continues on. Yeah, we kind of expected this time of the, the fall sports calendar, especially in this kind of weird year, to be you know, kind of getting um, you know, a little more settled in. We'd kind of know what the conference races were looking like and just be focusing on games. But instead, we have a lot of new news coming out kind of every day here, um, kind of shifting what the fall might even look like. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and if there's a return of football and volleyball this year, which we're going to see a vote on within the coming week now. And then uh, later in the show, we're going to talk a little bit about how Brian and I, we were out at four different events between Sartell and Stock Rapids last night. Uh, kind of a little friendly rivalry over there. So uh, we got to see a lot of games. Uh, we'll have a bit of takeaways from that later in the show and also catch you up on all the other happenings in prep sports in the Central Lakes and Granite Ridge Conference in the last week. But I think the best place to start, as we mentioned, is all this news coming out from the State High School League, not even just football and volleyball, but some things about enrollment, different fees they're going to have to play, postseason play. There's a lot to break down, Brian. Where should we start today? Well, maybe we should look back at yesterday um, with Minnesota State High School League. They had their uh, board of directors workshop. Um, the workshop doesn't allow like action items to or like actual action to be done. Um, it's just more of a discussion. But um, but prior to this uh, workshop, I know you were talking to a few of the football teams and different players and such about um, just this big movement that's been happening over the last, I, I don't even know, probably a week or two um, of just wanting to play football, kind of trying to figure out the best way of, of presenting it to the Minnesota State High School League. But I know you've been talking to a couple of those coaches, I guess, maybe talk to me a little bit about what you've been learning from, from them this past week. Yeah, I, you know, I, I got added to actually from the Recorder head coach, James Herbert. He added me to the group. It's called Let Them Play MN. Um, that started about a week ago and that's been that's just been growing exponentially in the last week I know I know when I added it when I was added to it, I think you said a couple hundred or a couple thousand now it's at over 13,000 members um, I think a petition they have I've seen is you know over you know 16,000 plus people um, that are on there for wanting fall sports to come back and for football to come back and the group is, is mainly just focused on having football still this fall. They think it's safer that way. They think it's better for um, the communities that way. So that group, they've been getting a lot of traction on Saturday. They went down to the governor's mansion in St. Paul and kind of had a little mini protest outside um, the fence down there. And I know there was a lot of news coverage of that event too. So um, that's been really big. It's been gaining. And I think if, you know, they weren't doing this kind of grassroots effort, I think, football would just kind of be off the table or they probably wouldn't be moving towards action items like this, but kind of the pressure on social media and from other places on the high school league, I think has made this an issue. They realize they can't um, ignore this fault. It's something they kind of have to take on head on. Yeah. And I think that kind of transpired into what happened Tuesday um, during that workshop, because I mean, basically what happened, what, what took place was they did a bunch of discussions on, kind of they were looking at what the fall season was looking like right now, you know, how teams are doing, how sports are doing. Um, but then the big items were focused on football and volleyball and the possibility of returning to the fall rather than the spring um, because they did vote 
on August 4th to delay football and volleyball until March. Um, but obviously with all the attraction that's been going on about, you know, having these sports come back in the fall, um, now it's, now it's starting to become a little bit of a reality, honestly. Um, they just scheduled a meeting, a special meeting on Monday at 9 a.m. Um, to discuss the possibility of voting to reverse their decision from August and have football and volleyball happen in the fall. Um, that will be happening on Monday. But, yeah, just a lot of stuff to kind of take in, um, especially – with everything that's been going on um, over the past week. Yeah, it, it's been kind of crazy. And, um, you know, and the, the thing that's even bigger too is that, you know, football teams on Monday, they started practices of their, you know, they have 12 practices they can have this fall. From all the teams I've talked to, it sounds like they're all going uh, four days a week, Monday through Thursday for, for three weeks. And I know at least at Apollo, um, Coach Beeler there, who's new this year, he said they're going to have an inner squad scrimmage kind of under the lights. They're at least planning that at the end of the three weeks. Um, so a lot of these teams, they're practicing, um, they're preparing as if they're going to have football. Um, and I know Rick Corey, uh, senior captain, Luke Humbert, he told me yesterday too, that, you know, they're, they're just trying to stay positive and keep the practices fun and loose and make sure everyone's prepared. Cause all of a sudden, if, you know, on Monday, if all of a sudden the news is yes, we are going to be playing football within a couple weeks. I mean, you, you have to be ready, especially, especially in football. And usually you have that that whole summer building up to it. And then you get right into practices. Um, it's kind of been a little staggered with the last month or so, not really having anything official um, for teams going on. So it's going to be a lot different. And I know too, what, what are kind of the predictions or if there is a vote of positive on Monday, um, when would football be starting up? Yeah, it sounds like the, the football season would begin on the 21st, um, which would actually be that day that they voted. Um, which isn't too much of a change just because like you said, they have been practicing this past week um, and they would be starting up on the 21st of September. Football would be their first games would be starting on October 2nd, which is I believe a Thursday. So you could either play that Thursday or that Friday, depending on, you know, what your schedule looks like. Looks like it would probably be a four game regular season um, with a potential postseason in fit November so it's kind of similar to basically it'd be like a normal season, um, but without the first half of it <laughs> of that regular season. Mm -hmm. so, and then for volleyball, they would be starting up October 12th for practices. And then they would be having their first matches on the 22nd of October. And the reason why it's a little bit pushed back is due to their RJO volleyball leagues going on currently, just because of the fact that, they made this decision. And so there are a lot of players that are in the middle of their JO season. Um, and if they did start right away, may, there might be a possibility that these girls don't come back to play just because they're in the middle of their JO season. So mm -hmm. it would be, that's kind of the reason why it's a little bit more delayed and they're not outside. So it's okay to, you know, rent out the gyms a little bit longer and, and be able to have those matches happen near the end of uh, fall and early winter. Yeah, and some other, you know, unintended consequences or things that the high school league has to think about and weigh with this decision is that, you know, there's players on varsity teams that have gone out for new sports that are, you know, soccer, cross country, um, a couple other sports that, you know, they're new to those sports, but they have, you know, starting roles. And if all of a sudden their normal sports come back here in the fall, you know, they have to decide which one to play. Uh, can they, is there a way to manage that they can play both during this fall? And, 
I know for football, it, it'll be a little easier or um, if they do only go, you know, that four game regular season, um, you know, weather wise and some of those things to see if they can still pull this off and it still feels a little normal, but you know, those, those multi-sport athletes, that's something that's going to be, it's going to be tough for them to manage. Yeah. And luckily the only sport that would probably overlap a lot would be football just because volleyball is so late in October that honestly, if they did have a postseason, I'm guessing it would probably be near done, almost done by the time that that season kicks off. And also with, if, you know, volleyball does start up that late, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, there's, we're still a little ways away from winter sports being figured out, but I mean, that's around the time almost that you'd be starting practices for, you know, but in November you'd be starting practices for basketball usually. And if you're having a volleyball season that runs through November, whenever that would wrap up into December, whatever that, that adds another factor. It's kind of just all these overlapping seasons um, as we continue to get pushed back and pushed back that it's going to be very interesting to see how they can manage to, to navigate this and schedule this out in a way that um, benefits most people. I don't think there's a way it can benefit everyone, but um, they can at least try to make it work for the majority of people. Yeah. And it's just, I mean, that's just the 2020 season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but on a bright side, there looks to be a potential regional or sectional tournament for fall sports, which is really exciting. I know a lot of these players and a lot of these teams wanted some type of playoff system um, with the fact that Minnesota State High School League got rid of most of their state tournament budgets um, because they needed to reduce that, that yearly budget due to the COVID-19 pandemic. It's looking like less promising for a state tournament just due to the budget as well as the fact of everybody has to travel from all these different places in Minnesota and come to one central location, which is obviously not advised (laughs) at this point of the, of the year with COVID. Um, But they are talking about the possibility of having a sectional or regional tournament where, you know, it's limited travel. You'll be playing teams that you've been probably playing in your conference. Um, And it's just an opportunity to be able to play and compete for some type of section championship or regional championship and have that, you know, competitive fire in a sense. Yeah. And that's good. Cause I mean, you know, there's certain, certain conferences or sections that have teams from, you know, a couple different conferences that haven't got to play each other this year. And with all these conference only schedules, even some local teams, you know, a team like Cathedral who usually plays Apollo tech, Sartell, all those teams, you know, they're only playing, they're granite ridge opponents so they don't really know how they weigh up against these other schools so if there is a section tournament they could get a little better idea and I think it's good too just because it's one thing to have that goal of a conference title but that's you know something you play over a regular season for you know five six weeks it's a little different but to have at least some type of postseason section tournament atmosphere a goal to go for I think will be will be really big for these athletes because otherwise it's a little hard to to stay motivated and really know what your your end goal is when you don't even know what it might look like on a schedule yeah and i and this decision is going to be made um it might be made on that monday a special meeting but i think the focus on the special meeting is going to be focused on football and volleyball but they do have a board of directors meeting on october 1st that they will be kind of discussing probably a little bit more information about region sectional tournaments as well as state tournaments and even the possibility of discussing what the winter season is going to look like 
um, depending on what happens with football and volleyball decisions. And one other thing that I know a lot of people um, have taken notice of and have been wanting to know more about is kind of these new um, enrollment fees and different things for the different schools in the area. Um, I know you're, you're currently working on a story about that, kind of breaking that down. Is there any way you can kind of summarize a little bit about what these new fees, um, what they are and how they'll kind of affect some of the different local schools? Yeah, it's, it's a complicated process. Um, but it's basically the, since the COVID-19 pandemic has hit Minnesota state high school has taken a huge hit because of the fact that about 75% of their budget and their revenue comes from state tournaments, whether that's tickets, t-shirt sales, whatever it may be. So the fact that they aren't able to have state tournaments right now really hurts them. And they are, they, they need help basically is the, the main essence behind this. And so they already increased back in February, they already increased the membership fee. So it's $160 to be a member school of the Minnesota State High School League. And then it's also, and that was used to be $120. And now it's, um, and then they also have a, basically every sport that you participate in as a school, you have to pay for, which is another $120, but that got bumped up to $160 as well. So, I mean, basically that wasn't as big of a deal because it was only a $40 increase. Um, But now they have added a COVID-19 installment fees, which means depending on how many kids are enrolled into your school and are participating in sports, you have, the school has to pay a certain amount of money. Um, that is basically COVID-19 installments and it, it can be anywhere from, you know, I was speaking to cathedrals, um, AD Emmett Keenan, and he kind of said with them, they have an enrollment around 400, and so therefore their installment fees are two payments of $3,500. But if you have, I mean, like Wyzetta, Wyzetta is one of the biggest schools in the state. Um, they have an enrollment of like 3,200 kids and they are going to be paying, I think it's up to $6,500. Um, and so it just depends on how much enrollment, but I mean, Wyzetta, they're paying uh, from what it sounded like at a, um, I was reading a Star Tribune article. They were saying they're going to be paying somewhere around $21,000 this year. Um, And they were paying, I think it was like six. So it's a huge increase. I mean, it it really is. And um, I know talking to um, some of the ADs, they understand why it's happening. Um, Whether or not they're happy is a whole different ball game just because, you know, it is a, it is a tough blow. I know, you know, Emmett Keenan, he, he said, you know, they, they understand why they're doing it. They totally respect the Minnesota State High School League for, for making this decision. Um, they feel like they are able to pay this fee um, with all of the money that they're saving on buses and different things like that this year. They feel like it's going to compensate just fine where they can pay for it. And they know that this money is needed to keep the Minnesota State High School League alive. So whether or not you're for it or against it, I think it's a necessity to keep sports happening in Minnesota um, past this year. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's that factor. And like we said, there's all the factors of football and volleyball possibly coming back. So definitely uh, Monday's going to be a really big day for that. 
with that meeting at 9 a.m. that Brian, I'm sure, will be will be covering either virtually or be following along with. So make sure to keep an eye on sctimes.com as we as we continue to cover what what the fall season might look like and also all the fallout from all these decisions from the State High School League. So with that, I think that's going to wrap up our first segment today. We're going to hear a little bit more about the Best of Central Minnesota event that we've been talking about the last couple podcasts, um, a big initiative we do every every fall or so here at the SC Times to, to kind of highlight local businesses and what they mean to the Central Minnesota community. Um, it's going to look a little bit different this year, but should still be a great time. So we're going to hear a little bit of a promo about that, and we'll be back to talk about Sartell Sock Rapids Rivalry Night after the break. Thank you for voting in the 2020 Best of Central Minnesota Readers Survey. The SC Times is now tabulating the results and will reveal the winners and top five finishers in more than 60 categories on Friday, September 25th. Watch www.sctimes.com and check out the print edition September 25th for a special glossy magazine featuring the best of central Minnesota. And we're back with the SC Times Sports Report podcast. Um, if you want to follow either of us on Twitter, where a lot of our content is, I'm at SC Times Zach for Zach Dwyer and Brian Mosey. He's at Brian Mosey, as we always say, a very original Twitter handle there. But you can follow that or at sctimes.com where all of our content is posted. You can also go over to our Instagram page, uh, just SC Times on that one too. That continues to, to grow and we get all of the high school events, especially we put all of them up on there basically right after we finish editing the photos and getting them done. So make sure to continue to check those out as the fall season continues on and finally getting into more of uh, preps, you know, games we were at, which is what we usually talk about a lot on this podcast. Uh, I was over at Sartell Soccer Rapids Boys Soccer last night and Brian was over at uh, Sartell to cover tennis, girls soccer, and especially his main focus was swimming last night. Um, Brian, I guess I'll start with you with, you know, getting to see all these different events, kind of, can you just give me some of your general thoughts of what it was like on Tuesday night? It's fun. Fun for rivalry night. I I guess you kind of forget about that type of stuff when you're in the middle of a pandemic, but all of a sudden when you see all these kids facing off and they're practically next door neighbors, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun atmosphere. And I know, I know the girls were excited to kind of get going and um, some really good games out of, out of everybody. So, um, the, the two that I kind of went to for a little bit, and then I kind of had to run off. Um, I started off at girls tennis and Apollo and Sock Rapids have a co-op this year called the Storm and Eagles. Um, and they defeated Sartell five to two um, with some really good performances. The singles swept um, or the Storm and Eagles swept all of their singles matches um, and then also won in number three doubles. So, really good performance there. Um, then I kind of scurried over to Sartell's, um, the girl, girl soccer game against Sock Rapids, um, was able to watch the first half or so. Um, not a whole lot of scoring. The only scoring came from, uh, Reese Klotzer, um, who had a really good goal about halfway through the first half, but then apparently Sartell kind of went soaring and, and got some, got some goals in the second half and made it a four nothing win. So um, Sartell was able to get the victory there. But my main focus last night was over at the Sock Rapids Swimming Pool for um, girls swimming and diving as the two teams faced off. Sock Rapids uh, 
had been or was a really high up there last year in, in the conference and right behind Sartell. And so I knew it was going to be a really good battle. And it definitely was. Um, Sartell did get the upper hand, 105 to 76, um, but definitely a, a very good meet for both of them. I know Sartell talking to them at the beginning of the season, their goal was to go undefeated in the conference. And so far, so good. Um, they've been doing a really good job. They actually um, are one of two left in the, in the uh, conference that, are, that is undefeated. Moorhead is also up there, which is a, an unusual name just because they, they aren't usually in the conference, but mm-hmm. they are due to exceptions. Um, so, but it was, it was a lot of fun to watch them swim. Um, I was there for a little while and uh, was able to watch some of their um, – the, the best one that I had, though, was um, the um, Lennar's sisters. There's Holly and Heidi, and both of them – were in the um, 200 individual medley. They were literally side by side (laughs) and they basically paced each other. I mean, there was no Sock Rapids people right next to them at all. Like they were just, they were dominant, but then all of a sudden on the last turn to go back down the last 25 yards, um, Holly kicked it into a new gear and and just wiped out (laughs) and uh, took over and got the win for, um, for Sartell in that event, but it was just kind of funny because the two sisters were kind of competing neck and neck and um, the younger sister was able to get the win over the older sister. So um, sure. That was a fun conversation back at home when they got back, <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but yeah, definitely a fun night. It was really cool to kind of watch everybody compete. Um, and if you haven't had a chance, go to SC times, Zach and Dave did a really good job with photos. We got like, think 40 to 45 photos in the in the gallery of all the different events that were going on with rivalry night and um if you have some time just kind of flip through them because they're all really really good and they're full of different players and different swimmers and tennis players or whatever it may be and um it's just it's it's a really cool thing so make sure to go look at that but what did you kind of see over at the boys soccer game looked like a good game yeah, it was a good game. Um, you know, it was it was scoreless at half, and it was definitely Sartell that controlled things the entire time. That was kind of what I expected going into it. Uh, Sartell was 3-1 and one on the year. They'd really found their scoring touch the last two games, I think eight goals in the last two games, and it only allowed one. And then Soccer Rapids came in. They were winless, but um, they'd had some – their last – they'd shown a little bit more promise in their last game or so, but they were 0-3-1. and one. So I kind of expected Sartell to have a somewhat easier time, but – Kind of in the same way when I saw these two teams play last season once, uh, Soccer Rapids just kind of brought it to to a different level and had a different level of energy for this type of rivalry game that means a lot to them. Especially because in the past, this was a game that couldn't even be called a rivalry because Sartell won every single time since Soccer Rapids began their program about a decade ago. But last year when I was at the game, they tied for the first time, I believe. Um, it was 2-2 two to two in overtime, and they actually had played overtime uh, in that game too. This year they're not playing overtime. So last night ended one to one with at another draw. But uh, and then last year in section, Sock Rapids came on top, beat them for the first time. So uh, they're you know they're unbeaten in the last three times against Sartell, which is just huge for them. It's kind of really shifting the program and showing they're kind of going in a really positive direction. But yeah, Sartell. I mean, they had a couple chances in that first half. Eli Rudnick and goal for Sock Rapids just continues to be pretty incredible. He's a four-year starter now. Uh, 
I can tell he plays with a lot of these Sartell kids too because he was kind of have fun just chirping them, messing with all of them the entire game. So I think he plays, uh, either has played growing up or plays on some of the same teams as them, you know, kind of in the spring or summer. So he, he had a good idea of what uh, they brought to the table attacking wise, but also, you know, they've got a lot of shots on him over the years too. So it was, it was kind of ended in a stalemate that way too at one-to-one, but soccer Rapids, uh, they had a penalty. They drew a penalty early in the second half, and they've scored all three of their goals on penalties this year. So I expected him kind of bury it, but Keegan Pham, uh, he had his penalty blocked by Brandon De La Rosa in goal for Sartell. Uh, and that that kind of turned the tide for me. I kind of assumed that was going to be a little bit of a, a deflator, and Sartell was going to find that, finally get that goal or two they'd been searching for. But actually, Keegan himself, he came back, uh, drove kind of – he was – at least five, 10 yards, almost outside the box, actually just fired a shot into the, the kind of bottom right corner, found its way in and, and gave him a big goal. And I know he was really excited about that when I talked to him after the game, because, you know, it's easy when you miss a penalty that kind of get in your head, ruin the rest of your game. But he responded well, got that goal. Um, Sartell, they, they, they evened with about, there's about five minutes left. They got a goal too, after kind of a failed clearance from, from Sock Rapids. And then, you know, Sartell, they put a lot of pressure down the stretch, but it, it still ended one-to-one. So it was it was just overall a really fun game, um, you know, kind of a surprising result. You could tell just from the two sides after the game, just their body language, it was a tie, but Sartell was really down, and they, they really thought they should have kind of performed better and brought more to that game. And Sock Rapids was – they were a little deflated that, you know, it was a tie, but they, they were just really excited to, to get a result against a good team like Sartell. Absolutely. No, it's – always fun for rivalries. I know for us, we had our rivalries in high school and it, it was always a fun time. Unfortunately, the fans can't really pack the, fans, the stands as much um, right now, but you know, still a, still a cool moment for sure. Yeah. And just like we said, you know, two, two teams that are so close have so many kids that have played with and against each other growing up. Uh, we don't have too many of those around here other than Apollo tech as well, that are kind of have that same feel and, and those those two haven't got to square off this year. We're still waiting another week or two kind of for, for all those teams to compete. You know, usually you'd have them spaced out a little more throughout the year, not all exactly on the same night, but at least that, that made it a little easier for us for coverage to, to pick what to go to. But yeah, it was fun to, fun to see all those teams square off for the first time this year. Absolutely. Well, I think that kind of wraps up this segment um, talking about the Sartell and Sock Rapids night. Um, we are going to, or, well, we aren't going to take a break, but we are going to talk about an opportunity for listeners to possibly subscribe for the St. Cloud Times. Um, right now, there isn't really a – we used to have an offer around Labor Day weekend where it was $1 for three months. Now, right now, the offer is four ninety nine per month for the first uh, 12 months, and it's digital, un- unlimited access digitally. Um, otherwise, you can upgrade that to, I believe it's $14.99 a month for Monday through Friday delivery of the newspaper. And, I th- and that gives you the access as well. So um, definitely take advantage of that. I know for us two, we're, we've been running around like a chicken with our head cut off over, over the last few weeks to go cover stuff. And there's plenty of content in the sports department. There's also plenty of content in the news department um, if you're kind of in for that. But if you are, you are listening to the wrong podcast because this is <laughs> sports. <laughs> but um, you can certainly uh, you can certainly subscribe on at sctimes.com. 
and uh, you can get all the different updates that are going on. You can even get, um, we have an app that you can use and get notifications on your phone, whatever, whatever you'd like, we, we pretty much have. So um, be happy to, we're happy to serve the community the, the best way that we can. And this is the way that we are able to do it. So, um, so definitely go over to sctimes.com and subscribe as well as follow us on Twitter, follow us on Instagram. They've been putting up, Zach and Dave have been putting up photos, like he said, pretty much every, right after they're done editing them. Um, and they're awesome photos. Um, I always look forward to them at night when I'm about to go to sleep and flip through my little Instagram posts. So, um, but yeah, no, definitely a good opportunity. So make sure to take advantage of it. Yeah. And you know, especially that four ninety nine for 12 months, the, the previous offer was really good to a dollar for three months, but then, you know, the price goes up after that. Um, so you have to watch for that, but having this kind of steady price throughout the year is still a really good deal. I know sometimes I think certain times of the year we'll run a deal for, you know, a year for about, you know, 38, 40 bucks, but this averages out to only, only 60 bucks for the entire year, still a really good deal. So like we said, especially for that unlimited digital access and those four subscriber only feature stories that you're not going to get anywhere else, make sure to subscribe to sctimes.com. And yeah, I think that'll kind of move us into this last part of the show. Um, we're going to not touch on every sport, you know, past weeks we've kind of touched on every single sport and gone through results with, with kind of our longer beginning and talking about the high school league and also our rivalry night. We're going to not touch on every single thing, but there's a couple sports scores and standings. We just want to touch on here, look ahead to this next week as, you know, I'm looking at the schedules for some of these teams and I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're already like halfway through the regular season. And I feel like, I feel like it ends on October 3rd. (laughs) I know it's ridiculous. Um, I feel, I know we've been getting out to, we've seen a majority of these teams in most of the sports already, but it still feels like, man, I feel like, Time is just slipping away already. But last Thursday, we were both at boys soccer with a lot of other sports on the road. And uh, I was over at Cathedral, as kind of has become to be expected, especially this year. They took care of business 5-2 to two over Melrose. Um, Jake Mayner is continuing his really great start to the year. He had four goals and an assist to help contribute to all five goals in that win. Uh, he also – it was his second time scoring four goals in high school, also against Melrose, also at home the previous year. So – He was pretty excited about that to kind of be able to replicate that performance in his senior year as well. Uh, He's already has eight goals this year. I think he's in the top about 10 or 15 in the state right now in goal scoring. And just last night, again, uh, Cathedral, they played Minnewaska, beat them by five goals. And Minnewaska was the only other undefeated team in conference. So uh, I think Cathedral, especially, as I mentioned earlier in the show, is really looking forward to if they can have that section tournament because – I mean, they're just not really getting pushed to the level they probably want to early in the season in the Granite Ridge so far. They're really just kind of on their game. They're taking care of business so far. Um, So it'll be fun to see if they can continue that unbeaten streak like Brian wrote about a couple weeks ago that, you know, moving in on a decade of regular season titles and years and years of undefeated in conference. So uh, I want to – it was the first time I got to see them in person and they they lived up to the billing. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely a I, – I, I had to double-check on that record. I was like, how much? How long? <laughs> um, but for me, I was over at uh, Tech on Thursday night as Moorhead came over and, and played Tech and boys soccer. A little bit of a delay. Um, I think there was some miscommunication between, the, between Moorhead and Tech on what time they were supposed to start. 
Um, it was supposed to start at five. Uh, the buses didn't get there from Moorhead until about six twenty. So, <laughs> um, so we kind of started at like a six thirty start. So, which was fine. Beautiful night to be out. Um, but the Tech Tigers have kind of been a, known for their second half push, um, and it's it was pretty similar set Thursday night as well, where Moorhead kind of took a one to nothing lead heading into the half, and then the Tigers kind of came out firing in that first maybe six to eight minutes or so. Um, Robbie Ismail was, he, he tied the game at one, one with a goal. Um, very nice goal between just passing. Um, there was a lot of different passes that kind of made the opportunity arise and he took advantage of it. Um, and then Ethan Miller gave the Tigers a two to one lead with a penalty kick um, where he was able to connect on that. And then it kind of stayed that way for a while. And then Moorhead tied the game with about um, 15 minutes. Well, no, actually about 20 minutes left in the game. And it kind of stayed that way for quite a while. Um, Didn't seem like it it was kind of just going back and forth and back and forth until finally near the end of the game, um, Moorhead had an opportunity for a corner kick and just executed it perfectly um, and was able to get the ball in the back of the net for a three to two win um, and give the Tigers a, a loss on Thursday night. But um, definitely a, a good game in, in a sense. I know um, talking to the coaches and players, they were kind of saying similar senses, senses in the sense that it's you kind of have to fail to really see what happens, and then it kind of pushes you and, and, and gets you going. Um, and so they actually played last night. Um, we are recording on Wednesday, so this was Tuesday night. And they finished with a 0-0 tie against Brainerd last night. Um, sounded like it was a good game back and forth. Um, just nobody was really able to execute any big plays that night to make it a 0-0 tie. Yeah, so and, and there was a couple other local teams in action last night. Um, Apollo got a really big win uh, last night, 8 to nothing, um, to move to 3-2 and two in conference. Um, and they had... They had a lot of scoring, as you'd expect from that. Um, Ahmed Hassan had three goals and assists, and Nasta Ahmed had three goals and three assists to kind of lead them. So another really big win for them after they had a couple of tough performances, and then, you know, they had their game against Alexandria canceled. So they hadn't got to play for a bit of a stretch since that loss to Brainerd um, a week prior. So it was good to see them get back in the winning column as well. As I mentioned, Cathedral won last night. Um, And just kind of looking at – those standings at the Granite Ridge Cathedral is on top with an undefeated record. And then in the Central Lakes, Tech, Apollo, and Sartell are all kind of right next to each other in that kind of medium to approaching the top half of the conference as we're already, uh, you know, about five, six games in the conference here. Yeah. And one of the big ones that I kind of saw from last night was um, in girls swimming, like we said, Sartell was Sartell beat Soccer Rapids, but um, some big wins for, Albany, they, they won 65 to 34 against Holding Ford, which was a big win for them. Cathedral had a really, really close meet with Sox Center. Um, actually took the loss. They lost 95 to 91. Um, a really, really close one. And I know with Cathedral, they were kind of looking for that undefeated season in a sense. And um, last night kind of came to a close on that sense, but they are still in the running to get that conference title. And I know they're looking for back to back conference t- titles. Um, this season as well, but 
in the Central Lakes Conference, like we kind of said, Moorhead and Sartell are up on the top for them for standings-wise, both undefeated. And then you have Ricori, Sock Rapids, Tech, kind of all in that little middle pack area and um, definitely could be kind of going up and down. But I'm excited. I know when Moorhead and Sartell are going to be facing off, I know where I'll be that day because that is going to be a really, really good matchup. Definitely. And to close out with cross country, um, Apollo hosted another meet at Sock Rapids last Thursday, this time against Sartell, including Wilmer, who they'd, put, they'd uh, faced off and ran against the week before. Um, Apollo came away with another victory, their third straight victory to open up the year, um, and second time facing Sartell and Wilmer each. Sam Brewer won the individual again for the third time this year, this time winning about by about 40 seconds over Colin O'Farrell from Wilmer, who it was closer to about 15, 20 seconds the last time they raced. So Apollo still looking, you know, really strong to, to begin the year. The guys, they're still going for that conference title um, and hoping they do get that conference meet that um, they're preparing for that was supposed to be hold, um, hosted by Cold Spring this year. We're still going to see what that looks like with either different waves of runners or what a conference meet could potentially be. But um, they were excited by that. And on the girls' side, um, Ricori faced Alexandria and Tech last week in Alexandria. Alexandria finished one, two, three, four in that meet. Um, So they're, you know, kind of showing they're the class of the girls' side, along with Wilmer, who's also been really impressive on the girls' side as well. So that's something to look out for for there. And on the guys' side for Ricori, Vincent Calusa, he was second, um, only seven seconds off of first place. Alexandria and Ricori on the guys' side also finished second. So some pretty good results from some local teams for cross country as well. And I know Albany ran yesterday too. Um, Grant Mayers was in first on the guy's side and Christine Kaltoff was first on the girl's side, which has been a, a pretty consistent thing for them lately. Um, and I know Cathedral was able to host their first meet in about, uh, you know, 15, 20 years at home um, on Monday too. And I know the guys took first place in that as well and kind of went one, two, three at the top. So uh, some really good cross-country efforts that, as you know, they don't get to race as many times this year against as many teams, but we're seeing a lot of great individual performances this year from them as well. Absolutely, and plenty to come. We, we have, uh, seems like we haven't really had a whole lot of Super 7 matchups between the schools that we cover, so I'm sure, you know, I know Thursday is Sartell and Apollo is going to be facing off, and then um, later on in the week, I think it's going to be Apollo and Ricori. And um, so plenty of big matchups between the schools that we cover. And um, it'll be a lot of fun to kind of be able to go cover those and kind of kill two birds with one stone in a sense. So, yeah, I know as we, as we go forward the rest of the second half of the year, basically one of those main sevens schools that we cover, at least two of them are going to be playing each other every single Tuesday and Thursday going forward. So it'll be fun to see a lot of the local teams, um, finally get a chance, a crack at each other after facing some of the teams from, you know, farther up North in the conference. So definitely subscribe because we'll have plenty of content. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So I think that about wraps up this edition of the SC time sports report podcast. Like we said, make sure to especially take a look out for Monday when these Minnesota state high school league decisions come through. Brian will be the person to follow along for that as we give you continued coverage of that. And also plenty more high school events coming up this next week. So for this edition of the SC Times Sports Report, I'm Zach Dwyer, and that's Brian Mosey. Thank you again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.